0: hello and welcome to another episode of the thriving metabolism where we discuss everything that impacts your hormones and metabolism so that you can take control repair the damage and lose weight consistently without making yourself miserable in the process most weight loss diets and strategies actually do harm to your metabolism resulting in further weight gain down the road and it can be a particular challenge for women over 40 due to hormonal and metabolic changes so it's my mission to empower you so that you and your metabolism thrives and you never have to go through diet misery again i'm louise digby registered nutritional therapist weight loss expert and founder of the nourish method to lasting fat loss In today's episode, we're gonna be talking about metabolic downregulation, a very real and problematic outcome of weight loss diets that's also reversible and avoidable with the right approach. If you've previously lost weight and regained it at some point, you may well have found that each time you try to lose weight, it gets more and more difficult. And while there is a psychological aspect to that, It's mostly a physiological change that occurs that makes it more difficult to lose weight. Now, this may partly be to do with aging and changes in hormones, but it's also caused by dieting itself. Dieting is a very general term, so I want to be really clear here. Any approach where you have significantly restricted your calories or food intake for a prolonged period of time is dieting whether that's fad diets like meal replacements, trendy diets like keto, intense fasting diets, or even a situation where there's a normal amount of food, but it's alongside very high amounts of exercise. All of those count as a diet because there's a significant difference between the amount of calories or energy consumed versus calories expended. Now, What we were told is that when we eat fewer calories than we burn, our bodies have to burn fat in order to make up for that lack of fuel. But that isn't completely true. It's not quite as black and white as that. Firstly, when there's this calorie deficit, yes, the body does have to use some of its own stored energy instead of getting it all from food. However, that energy doesn't necessarily come from fat stores. In fact, initially it's gonna come from sugar stores. Most people are used to eating quite a carbohydrate heavy diet. And so your body is gonna be used to using carbs or sugars as fuel instead of fat. You'll also remember from the last episode and the first episode that the hormone insulin needs to be nice and low in order for us to get into fat burning mode. So using fat for fuel isn't inevitable in a calorie deficit. Now, while you're burning through your sugar stores, you're losing a fair bit of weight. And that's because glucose molecules, which is sugar, binds to water molecules when they're stored. And when you burn through your sugar stores, you lose a lot of water weight. Once your sugar stores are empty, which could take days or even weeks, depending on what you're eating, that's when you can hit a wall and feel terrible. And that's more likely to happen if you're following a lower carb approach. And that's because your body's having to adapt to using fat for fuel instead. However, what's more likely to happen then your body suddenly using fat for fuel, is that your body will probably start breaking down muscle and turning that into sugar to use for fuel. Again, you may be losing weight, but it might not be fat that you're losing. Research shows that with your typical diet, around 40% of the weight that you lose is muscle. So let's say that you're 100 kilograms and you lose 10 kilograms, which would be considered a very successful diet in theory, because you've lost 10% of your weight. However, that's not 10 kilograms of fat. You would have actually lost probably around four kilograms of muscle, quite possibly a kilogram or two of water. And the actual fat loss may only be four to five kilograms. Maybe you've even lost a kilogram of fecal matter if you've done a particularly harsh cleanse. Let's say that you regain the weight, because after all, 95% of people who lose weight do end up regaining it. The weight that you regain will be the water that you lost and mostly fat. So you end up with a higher body fat percentage than you started out with. And this is a couple of implications. Firstly, you're likely to feel a bit flabbier. You know, less toned than you did before because muscle it gives a shape and structure, and less of it means being a bit more wobbly. Worse though is that muscle is metabolically active, and that means that your muscle burns calories even when you're not using them, even when you're asleep. And losing muscle results in a lower metabolic rate, and this means that you have to eat fewer calories to maintain your weights. and that's why every time you diet, it gets harder to lose weight and you have to restrict more and more to get the same results. And it's also why you end up regaining more over time. So it essentially boils down to this loss of muscle. So I've talked about that in terms of what happens inside the body, but let's look at a basic example of what causes this metabolic downregulation. So firstly, let's say that you wanna lose weight and you're currently eating 2000 calories daily and maintaining your weight and you decide to cut down to 1500 calories daily and so you start losing weight at first but then the weight loss slows down and it plateaus so you decide to cut back further and now let's say you're eating 1200 calories daily and you start to lose weight again but after a little while your weight stop weight loss stops and it plateaus and you can't cope with eating any less, so you eventually go back to eating the 2,000 calories that you originally were. Unfortunately, your metabolism has been downregulating to conserve energy, and now you're only burning 1,200 calories daily. And when you increase your calories again, your metabolism doesn't just come back up immediately. So, on the same amount of calories that you started out eating and maintaining. Now you're eating and gaining, right? Your body is super smart and adaptive, and fewer calories in and out means eventual starvation. So your body reduces the amount of calories it's burning to compensate. So with the combination of muscle loss from dieting and your body conserving energy to prevent starvation, it's no wonder that weight can get really stubborn. Add to that the natural decline of metabolism with aging and the impact of hormones. And we've got ourselves some really stubborn weights. So how do we prevent or reverse the damage? Well, let's start with reversing the damage. First of all, if you're currently eating less than 1500 calories daily, we probably need to get you eating more, especially if you're active. And this means that we need to do a reverse diet. That can be suddenly to where you increase your calories to 1,800 overnight, but you may experience a little bit of weight gain at first. Having said that, very few women who join the Nourish Method experience weight gain when changing their nutrition and many of them eating more than they used to. Alternatively, you can incrementally increase your calories by 50 calories for a week and then another 50 calories the next week and so on. This is less likely to cause weight gain doing this is going to help your body to come out of that stress response that is starvation mode so that it starts burning more calories and essentially starts firing on all cylinders next we need to do some damage repair now In the Nourish Method, we run tests that assess the mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of your cells where calories are burned. And by testing them, we can see where the damage is and what nutrients are required to do the repair. Without that information, it's best to focus on eating lots of antioxidants. Antioxidants go around repairing damage in the body. And you can get antioxidants in things like berries, Um, Fresh herbs, fresh spices, green tea, vegetables, green vegetables, especially dark chocolate, freshly ground coffee, even a tiny bit of red wine. And in terms of preventing damage, when trying to lose weight... While a calorie deficit is usually required, it's best to keep to a very small one and keep your focus on balancing blood sugars and nourishing your body, like I explained in the last episode. And also ensure that you're working on maintaining or building muscle to prevent muscle loss. Now, one thing I want to say is that we've been talking a lot about calories here. And contrary to the impression that that might give, we actually don't count calories in the nourish method because we find that by regulating blood sugars and hormones with nutrition and lifestyle, the appetite will regulate itself and you don't need to count calories to achieve steady weight loss. I have exciting news. My Mend Your Metabolism challenge is back. Starting on the 13th of March and running for five days, this challenge is going to help you to get the foundations in place to begin mending your metabolism. This is for you if you're struggling to make progress, whether that's because nothing works for you or because you just don't know what to do. If this topic of metabolic downregulation today has resonated with you, you're going to love my Mend Metabolism Challenge. Find out more by visiting louisedigbynutrition.click forward slash metabolism or use the link in my Instagram bio. Okay, next it's time for my favorite fact from the past week. And the fact is this, mushrooms magnify memory by boosting nerve growth. Now, this was research that looked at medicinal mushrooms, not magic mushrooms, (laughs) though I gathered that there is some pretty interesting research happening in the world of psychedelics. But no, I'm referring to mushrooms like lion's mane and oyster shiitake or shittake mushrooms, as my partner likes to call them. There's um, quite a bit of research on mushrooms overall, but This particular study was looking at lion's mane and they found that it boosts nerve growth, which in turn improves memory. Now, I know that memory is a common concern because as people get older, they worry about cognitive decline. And also during perimenopause and menopause, memory problems can occur due to the knock-on effect of low estrogen. So it's great to learn about ways that we can support our memory. And the awesome thing is that mushroom supplements and food products have become widely available in the last few years. And you can get, aside from the mushrooms themselves, that we're now seeing more and more in the supermarkets, you can get mushroom teas, mushroom coffees, protein powders, we've added mushroom extracts, and lots more. And it might sound like all of that's going to taste like mushrooms, but they don't, at least the products that I've tried don't. Mushrooms have also been shown to be amazing for the immune system. And they are one of the few things that are considered safe to take during cancer treatment. And anything that helps your immune system will support the reduction of inflammation. And that can only be a good thing because pretty much every chronic health problem from stubborn weight to depression is linked to inflammation. Okay, now it's time to dig into a listener's letter. And this week, it's a question about exercise. Let me just get it up on the screen. Okay, she said, Hi, Louise, loving the podcast so far. I'm 45 and got into running about five years ago. This helped me to lose weight. And as I lost weight, I was able to run further and progressed onto half marathons. Over the past year, I've been gaining weight. And now... Um, I'm over a stone heavier, and it's mostly on my belly. To add insult to injury, I've developed eczema, which I've never had before. My hair is thinning, and I'm waking up at 3 a.m. every night and struggling to get back to sleep. I haven't changed anything diet-wise to warrant the weight gain. I've tried cutting back a bit and eating less, but I continue to gain. I've seen my GP, as I wondered if it was my thyroid, and he said that everything was normal, he said that I was probably just perimenopausal and suggested I get the coil as I'm also having heavy periods. I cannot understand how I could possibly gain weight when I'm eating so active when I'm so active and eat healthy. Please help. Okay. Thank you so much for writing in. I have so much to say about this that I don't even know where to start. Let's start with what your GP said. Yes, you almost certainly are perimenopausal. After the age of 35, our hormones start to change in the run-up to menopause, which occurs around the age of 51 on average. And by the time you're in your mid-40s, a significant shift will have happened in your hormones. Now, slightly off topic here because you didn't mention this, but helpful for people to know. When your doctor says that they're testing your hormones they're looking at FSH and LH or follicular stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. These are the hormones that are involved in ovulation and changes in these hormones, they tell you when ovulation has become irregular like it does in perimenopause. However, what they don't tell you is what your estrogen and your progesterone and your testosterone levels are doing. So they may tell you that your hormones are all normal or that you're perimenopausal, but that doesn't actually tell you anything about the state of your sex hormones. And they will be changing as you progress through your 40s. Okay, so this shift in your hormones changes the way your body stores fat and burns energy. And it can change where you store fat and you can become more prone to storing fat around your middle as estrogen levels decline. So this is most likely a factor for you. However, there's more to it than that. If there wasn't more to it, then every woman would gain weight during this time. And while many do, there are many that don't have this problem. In this lady's case, I suspect that the amount and type of exercise you're doing is exacerbating this hormone disruption. This is definitely a topic that needs a whole episode in itself. So I'll keep the explanation simple today. But what you need to know is that prolonged cardio increases cortisol levels, especially in perimenopausal women. Cortisol is a stress hormone, which is inflammatory and high levels of cortisol can drive fat storage, and it can suppress progesterone levels, suppress thyroid function, and cause or exacerbate inflammatory conditions, which includes eczema. And during perimenopause, your ovaries are shutting down and the adrenal glands or your stress glands are taking over the production of the sex hormones. So anything that raises your stress levels, including over-exercising, will cause you to produce cortisol as a priority over sex hormones, worsening the impact of this hormone transition. When you're an avid runner, I know that it's the last thing that you want to hear, but unfortunately, there isn't really any way around it other than to reduce the length of the runs in place of strength training, short outs of high intensity exercise and low intensity exercise like yoga and swimming. And I would keep runs to a maximum of 20 to 30 minutes and focus heavily on properly warming down afterwards. And I'd also keep the runs to the mornings because cortisol levels are supposed to be low at night and high in the morning and exercising at night, particularly prolonged cardio, can lead to disrupted sleep because of the rise in cortisol. Hopefully you'll find that making this switch will help all of your symptoms. And one thing that I want to add here is that just because you've been told that your thyroid is normal doesn't mean it is. The tests that your GP does are basic, only looking at one or two hormones and they also use a very wide reference range that but is considered to be flawed by many experts. Now, I know you guys love to hear about hormones and thyroid function, so throughout the month of March, um, or if you're not listening in real time, then the next four episodes, we're going to be focusing on hormones, including the thyroid and its many hormones. So I hope you'll join me for those episodes. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to talk to me about anything that I've discussed in this episode, you can reach me on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Louise Digby Nutrition. Or you can email me with your question to be answered on the podcast by emailing louise at com and put podcast in the subject. If you're enjoying this podcast, please head to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts and click follow and leave a review. Doing so will massively help. Following helps more people to discover the podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.